Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Seabass of WNWS of Jackson, Tennessee. We thank our presenting sponsor, Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center. Wellspire offers personal and professional development opportunities in the Gulch neighborhood. Stop by for an event with world-renowned speakers or host an off-site event that will wow your team and your clients. Thank you also to our co-presenting sponsor, The Well Coffee House, which turns coffee into water and has a mission to bring clean water to the world. Today's news presented by Sutherland & Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland & Belk is committed to fighting for those who have been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at sbinjurylaw.com. No real new news to report, but a reminder, the Major League Baseball draft is going to be held June 10th and 11th. Of course, there's a significant Vanderbilt presence in that draft. We did a podcast with Dave Seifert of D1 Baseball on that just before this. Be sure and check that one out if you have not. Our guest line on which Seabass appears is brought to you by Bowling Branch, which was started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. Had no clue how comfortable Bowling Branch sheets were until I got them. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them for a month for free. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Seabass joins us from WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. How are you today, my friend? I'm fantastic today with my good buddy Chris Lee. What's it like doing radio? Because you don't just do sports talk these days. I cannot imagine that's easy. Man, let me tell you something. Uh, I am nobody. Uh, yeah, the, I, of course, I still do sports talk at night, you know, and call games. But during the morning from 8 to 11, I do whatever in the world it is, you know, whatever you want. I'm, no, I'm not a reporter. I'm not a journalist. I'm a sports talk show slash talk show host. But, you know, we've recently had a defection at our radio station, which, as you know, is a very positive thing. Let me tell you something. The way that I look at it is is what I try to do is I treat everybody respectfully. You know, I speak respect, respectfully to them. And what I try to tell everybody is, look, regardless of what it is, tell me how you're feeling. What's going on with you? What do you see when you look outside? What are you thinking about in the world that you're in? right now and you know and the other side of it is is i have a lot of people in and we have we talk about different stuff uh and and i give from people permission to enjoy their lives which some i think the rest of us you need to figure that out because it's a crazy crazy time and i just tell everybody man look you know i, I just try to keep it casual and I don't get into the stuff, the divisive stuff that everybody craves these days. If I see it headed that direction, I'll stop everybody. I said, look, we're not doing that. I want you I want you to express yourself however you want to, but this ain't that type of show. And we're not doing that. And you know what I have found in the community that I live in? People appreciate that. 
Yeah, it's a crazy time. I have never in my life as an American seen anything like this. You just, yeah, I, you cannot win yeah. anything you do these days. And now here we are. It's like we're going to cancel Drew Brees. Really? I mean, he's our problem. Yeah, I don't, uh, I, you know, I just I absolutely stay away from it. I will have no part of it. I don't have to, and I'm not going to. Yeah, you want if you if you if that's the type of stuff you crave and you need, you can find it. You just won't find it with me. Well, and that's as far as I'm going to go. I I hate what's happening. I, I will say this: I thought we were at a point where we could maybe have some agreement because I thought what happened with George Floyd was kind of right out in front of everybody. And it was, like, if there's something we can agree on, it should be that, right? But here we are. Well, we did, and that. Still, I mean, you know, and then it turned I mean, into I, something I, else, like it always does. Yeah. I know it's crazy, which is, is why. And unfortunately, even on our board, I, I, there's some people that crave that, you know, and and it turns into a absolutely unwinnable and unreadable thing. And it and it and it's real unfortunate. I love, people love to show how much smarter they are than the other person and how stupid everybody else is. And at the end of the day, man. I just got way too much more stuff to do in my life than get involved with that. Yeah, and I think people are a lot of times more interested in taking sides or virtue signaling than they are really understanding. But anyway. Yeah. I mean, um, it's fine. Do what you want. Uh, I don't live that life. Yeah, we've probably pushed the limits of this already. And with that, let's go into what we came here for. which is Vanderbilt Sports, and inspired by a post on our message board, I want to play a little game with you. This is completely unrehearsed. You don't even know what is coming. I'm going to do a a game of who would you rather have. And I really wonder, I've got like 12 of these written out. I wonder if we'll get past the first one, given the time limit you have today and the fact we have a mailbag. But I will start Uh, here. My answer is is to all the following questions – is Anne Hathaway. <laughs> well, that's a good answer. But the question in this case is Derek Mason or Bobby Johnson? Man, I'm going to surprise you right here. I'd rather have Derek Mason. Okay. I'd rather have Derek Mason. And, and before people blow me up, uh, you know, and I did Bobby Johnson get to a bowl? Yes, he did. He absolutely did. It was, what was it, Crystal Music City Bowl? Uh, I, I believe it was. Yes. But, but go back and look at them records. I mean, sometimes, I mean, and I like Bobby, but everybody just bear that out. I lost you there for a minute because our connection has not been good. The winning percentages are fairly identical. I would have to look it up, but I bet you it doesn't differ by more than three or four percentage points. So the question then becomes situation that you inherited. I think that Derek inherited a much better one, but I say I think because you had the Gillette Hall stuff, too, that you had to deal with. And that is hung over the program for six years. But, you know, Bobby never had the indoor practice facility. You know, he he didn't get left with an Anna Butler or Zach Cunningham, some guys like that. So, I don't know. I, I think I'm on the other side of that one, but I don't think it's an easy answer. 
Well, and that's, I mean, look, yeah, I mean, it, it's not, but you know, at the same time, he also walked into a situation and I know it's one recruiting class, but geez, the whole rug got swept out right from under him. It took his feet right out from him and James Franklin takes him all to Penn State. And he has to, and he yeah. has to, you know, he has to on the fly put put something together. I and mean, look, I mean, I'm not making excuses for the guy. I mean, uh, there's times that I've I've liked his some of the approaches, and there's some times that I scratch my head and say, I don't have no clue what's going on here and what you're doing. Um, but I mean, if those are my two choices, I, I mean, look, I, I I don't know that that one is really that much better than the other. Uh, so you know. It's a tough question, but I, I'll, I'll take Derek. Now, I think because of the current frustration that a lot of Vanderbilt fans have, I think most of them would probably say Bobby Johnson, but there was nothing special about the Bobby Johnson era. There just wasn't. His last full class of recruits, maybe next to last, included the following. Wesley Tate, Javon Marshall, Wes Johnson, Warren Norman, Zach Stacy, Walker May. And I guess that's about it. That's still a pretty decent class. So that that's pretty top heavy yeah. with players, more than most classes. Maybe not the depth, but that's not a bad haul. No, not a bad haul at all. Agreed. Well, have we settled that one? Do you want to go to the next one? Well, Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where I mean, look, I mean, I just I I don't think either one of them has enough over the other to say one answer is clearly right and the other's wrong. Last class for Bobby Johnson, this would have been twenty ten. Jordan Matthews, Jordan Rogers, Vince Taylor, Chris Boyd, Jared Morse, Jonathan Krause. Uh, Logan Stewart, who was good for a couple of years, Kyle Westman, Andre Howell. Boy, that last one was better than I remember. Those last two, he left a lot of players, man. Yeah, he really did. I, 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 I've never said he couldn't recruit. Yeah, I know. I it just I'm thinking they're they're at about the same stage, and I sense that Bobby's getting better players. Well, I mean, that's not fair to say. I don't know that I would have thought these are better players then than what Derek's bringing in now. So that's maybe the question kind of self-destructs before it gets there. I'll say this. I don't think that Chase Garnum was also in that class too. I I think it's a long shot that the classes Derek is bringing now and last year match up to the last two that Bobby brought in. Is that fair? Okay. Taking a look at Bobby Johnson's record, because I want to look, it was 29 and 66 at Vanderbilt, 37 games below 500 over eight years. Uh, let's see, uh, two and 10, two and 10, two and nine, five and six, four and eight, five and seven, uh, seven and six, and two and 10. So he had one winning record in that time. And we always talk about uh, Derek, Derek. Derek Mason, what do we say? Derek Mason hadn't had a winning season in the yeah, in the six years that he'd been there. Well, Bobby Johnson in his first six years didn't even have a 500 season. You know, and, and yeah. he had the one year in 2008, and then right after that, he goes two and ten again. 
The years before that, so, I mean, you know. Okay, so I've lost you here and there. The three years before Bobby came in, five and six, three and eight, two and nine, SEC wins two, one and zero. The three years before Derek took over the job, Vanderbilt went six and seven, nine and four, nine and four, and in the league two and six, three and five. I'm sorry. Yeah, two and six, five and three, four and four. So Look, I mean, that's not news to Vanderbilt fans. But to me, inheriting the better situation is the difference. I can live with that. But, you know, like I said, Bobby Johnson, Bobby Johnson won six games combined in his first three years as the head coach there. He never won more than two games the first three seasons he was the head coach there. And so, and so Derek Mason, now what did I say Bobby Johnson's was 27 or 29 and 60, something like that. Uh, right. The neighborhood. Derek Mason is 27 and 47. Statistically, that's definitely better than, than, than Bobby Johnson. And let's take a look at him as a head coach at Vanderbilt. Uh, he has never failed to win. And now this sounds awful. Uh, but he's never failed to win at least three games. It took four years for Bobby Johnson to even get to that point. Even with that wretched team in 14, he still scratched off three wins. It took, what was it? Derek, Bobby Johnson won eight SEC games in the first six years. Uh, in his first five, Mason won 11. Yeah, one oh. one little difference there. Bobby in years two, I'm sorry, year three, did not have the benefit of that layup FCS game. So, well, I, I, there was a stretch where they didn't play an FCS game for a while. But I guess that's not when it was. I guess that was more for Woody Ho- Woodenhofer's tenure. But they no, I take that back. They did in 04. They played Eastern Kentucky. So no, that scratch that. That's not a defense. Right, and he and and with Mason from sixteen to eighteen, uh, six wins, five wins, six wins, and those were the, none of those are bowl wins, obviously. So that's that's seventeen regular season wins in three years. You know. That's almost six wins a season. Did that for three years until last year when it felt crashed back down to earth uh, for many different reasons. But I mean, statistically, the numbers, if you just go by the numbers, Derek, Derek Mason's been a better coach. One thing occurs to me as we're doing this, one thing they had in common is that we're both really stubborn. They just dealt with it in entirely different ways. With Bobby, he just denied, 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 and they were going to run what they ran come hell or high water with Ted Kane until I think his hand finally got forced. And with Derek, he just will, okay, well, let's, let's let this guy go. Let's let that guy go. Let's throw it off on coordinators. Let's throw it off on this. Bobby would just stick to his guns and never change coaches. Derek will change them at the drop of a hat, but neither of them ever really resolved the issue of what it was that, got in the way of more success. 
Right. And I said 11 for Derek. It was 10, not 11. But on the point that you just made right there, I guess you have to ask yourself a question. Now, neither one of them are really acceptable uh, in as far as the hard headedness and then the and then the revolving door. But here's what I would say. Uh, if I had to pick between the two, I'm going to pick the one that keeps shooting the shot. You know, if something doesn't work, try something else, you know, personnel wise, as far as coaches go. You know, the hell or high water thing is, you know, that they're both frustrating, but the hell or high water thing is extremely frustrating because you already know what and who it is every time. Yeah, but is it attempting to change or is it throwing a log on the fire to appease the, the gods of change? Because I think there's a difference between the two. And maybe maybe this year will actually be different. I actually think it it may be because their offense did look different in the way that it ran in the spring. And of course, roof is going to bring a different approach, but to this point, I think that's really been more of what it's been. Oh man, that may look, I, I would be the philosophy and beyond just the, the little bit that you saw just from everything you hear, you there's going to be a change offensively philosophy-wise. Certainly needed, no doubt about it, but I think it's coming. Okay, next one. Would you rather have Earl Bennett or Jordan Matthews? Hmm. I got to go Jordan Matthews. Jordan yeah. Matthews is my favorite Vanderbilt player of all time, uh, with all apologies to the number 10, who was amazing. And that, you remember on that Tennessee touch, uh, that game when they beat Tennessee, didn't he have every reception on that drive? He did. There were four plays on that drive. All four of them went to him for like 70 yards. The last one was in triple coverage. Jay made maybe the best throw of his life to get that touchdown to Bennett. Everybody in Neyland Stadium knew what was coming and couldn't stop it that day. You know, of course, having said that, there was the Jordan Matthews catch against Wake Forest. You know, that, that if we don't, if he doesn't come down with that snag, we're not winning, right? Yeah, and let me ask you a more interesting question because I'm with you. I would take Matthews, and it's not really much of a choice. But let's say that you swap supporting casts. You give Matthews the quarterbacks that Bennett had. No, Earl had Cutler for a year. He had Nixon for a year where he was uneven but showed some signs of stuff, and then Nixon got hurt the next year and was never the same, and their quarterbacks were awful in 07. They had the three-headed monster of Nixon and – Mackenzie Adams and Richard Kovalchek, whereas with Matthews, the quarterbacks weren't great, but they always got solid play between Rodgers and Carter Samuels and on occasion Patton Robinette. And, of course, the receiving core around him, they had Boyd and Krause, which was probably the best threesome Vanderbilt's ever had. So there was that. If you switch places with those guys, do you think Jordan's still the better player? Yeah, I think Jordan's a better player. Jordan's just a better player. I mean, Fair enough. Some, some things might, it might just change a little bit, but Jordan Matthews was, oh, golly, Bill, he was so good. And, I, and, and, let, and let me tell you something. Beyond the Wake Forest catch, that game against Ole Miss, Chris, you know what I'm talking about. Now, we lost that football game, and he was out there puking on the field. I think he may have had a drop or something like that. But I guarantee you I'm not holding it against him. I mean, he absolutely laid it on the line and time after time just made monster catch. I, I think it's easy. He's the best wide receiver that we've ever seen at that school. 
Jordan also had a senior that Earl didn't have because Earl went pro. So, yeah. Who knows? I mean, I guess the quarterback play was still going to stink, but there is that. I mean, there, there is the possibility that Earl comes back for one more year, owns the records that Jordan has now, and then maybe it's a different discussion. Yeah, could be. Yeah, I mean, I love this game because uh, there, there's no losing there. I mean, if I say Earl Bennett, I mean, how mad you're really going to get. Okay, this one gets a little tougher, I think. Chris Williams, Wes Johnson, or Justin Geisinger? I think I have it down to two. Uh, with all apologies to the pride of what city in Pennsylvania was that? I know he was from around the Pittsburgh area, uh, and he was a fantastic football player, but it's going to come down to Chris Williams or Wesley Johnson for me. Uh, man, they were both great. Didn't didn't Wes have a year he didn't give up a sack? Wasn't that right? Something like that? Yeah, I think so. Plus, Wes played like he started at four different positions on the line, didn't he? He started at center some. I think he played both tackles and he played one of the guard spots, maybe both for all I know. Man, I mean, I don't think it's Justin Geisinger. Uh, but again, that is not a knock. I, I really liked him a lot. But I think it, the answer lies somewhere between one of those two. Uh, if, if we're talking position versatility and flexibility, I get, yeah, that would go to Wesley. Uh, I mean, I think in the NFL, he played what, center? Isn't that right? When he was at Pittsburgh and whatnot? Right. Um, man, Chris Williams was a really good player, though. Golly, Bill. Uh, you know, I'll just go. I, I think maybe Chris might be a little bit better, but the 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 versatility of Wesley Johnson. There, I can't get this wrong. I'll say Wesley Johnson, but there, there's not a wrong answer there. I don't think. I love both those players. Yeah, I thought Guy Singer was the clear third in that. Although you look back and he didn't give up many sacks either. I think he played left tackle for four years, started the whole time, gave up I think seven sacks for his career. Of course, teams probably didn't throw as much then as they do now, and that has to factor in with Williams. And this is kind of where I did the tie break because my answer is Wes Johnson, but Williams probably. Obviously, you had the higher upside. You saw that in NFL draft position. But Williams also was ineligible his redshirt freshman year, not because he wasn't smart, but just because he didn't take the schoolwork seriously enough. So he was missing a year while Wes was starting and playing at a pretty good level. My question is, how how far was Justin School from making that, uh, making this, uh, being one of the finalists in this question? Oh, I don't think he was in the class with those other guys for the course of his career. You think Geisinger was clearly better than school? Oh, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I've looked at the pro football focus metrics on school, and he was a good player. He had one really good year, and the rest of his career was just kind of okay. I think he had a lot of penalties one year. With Geisinger, we don't have much to go on, right? I, I just I think it's that he gave up seven sacks his whole career number that kind of sticks with me. Okay. I mean, was was school a more athletic player and more of a prototypical left tackle? Yeah. Geisinger was just kind of a big dude who was a mauler who played left tackle. 
in, in that era, which I don't know that he would now, but going off what they produced, I, to me, it's not that close between those two. I got no big with that. Okay, this one's really tough. Casey Hayward or DJ Moore? <laughs> See, I have to find a way to separate the the what what Casey's done in the NFL. You know, because he he he's, he's become such a good football player. Uh here, here, here's what I w- would would say. <sighs> DJ Moore was awfully special. Now he he was, and 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 he wore a lot of different hats for Vanderbilt, and he was, I mean, he was one of the original Swiss Army knives. I I love DJ Moore. <sighs> I don't have the metrics in front of me, but here's what I would say to you: just on the Vanderbilt side of things. And I hate you. I hate your entire face for this question and forcing me to earn it. I mean, to 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 answer it. But uh, I'm I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with DJ here. Yeah, I mean, he did more things. I don't know if that makes him a better player, but he did more things. The good news is the questions you're asking is I, I just don't know that there's any wrong answers. Well, that's what makes it fun. And you saying you hate my face is the biggest compliment you can pay me. I think. Uh, well, if it makes you feel any better, I hated your face before the question. Well, that's good to know. That's very comforting. Okay, next one. And I think I've got some other sports here, but to go to the mailbag and get that in, I think I'm just going to make this the last one. Okay. Chris Marv, Moses Asimogy, or Jonathan Goff? Chris Marv. That's my answer, too, but I don't think it's – an easy one to answer. Moses was an awfully productive player. Mike, I mean, their career numbers were were very much alike. Yeah, look, let me tell you something. I like Moses Simmons. I, I like Moses when he was at NBA. I remember watching him and Dominique Morris, and wasn't it uh, Engel Martin, the quarterback of that team, if I remember correctly? I think that's correct. Uh, you know, I remember watching – them play Christian brothers. And in that game, Moses had a cast on his arm. I think it broke in his forearm or something like that. And he dominated that football game. He dominated that football game. He was relentless and he had a very productive career. You know, Chris Marv, Chris Marv was just a, he he was he was just a Vanderbilt guy, you know. I mean, and, and he was I mean he was built like a tank, and he would knock your head off. And the first one to where when you asked, there was a clear answer in my mind. And again, I have no metrics in front of me because I didn't know what you're going to ask me. But of all the questions, uh, that especially ones that, that involved more than two people, that one, was, to me, was the easiest. It was Chris Mars. Well, you know, what's funny is I said I agree with you. I actually went back and looked at the Vandy Sports 100. I had Osimaji 35 and Marv 36. And I think I flipped on those two so many times it's not funny. But that's where I settled was Moses just ahead of him. And when I'm doing these rankings, sometimes just kind of – I guess prove not prove my point, but sometimes I will sort of intentionally if I got a group of players there, 
and I'm trying to decide between two guys that are the same thing, like two linebackers, like those two, when I'm in doubt and I don't really have a good answer, I'll put them back to back just to kind of make a point. And that's what I did with those two is to kind of say it was that close. And I'm trying to remember, you know, with golf, he was a little bit bigger, uh, more of a, a longer guy, wasn't he? Wasn't golf like six four? Yeah, he was more the prototypical athlete. They redshirted him. I don't think the other two did, or maybe the other two did do that. But golf was the most highly regarded of the three coming in, and was easily the, the most pro ready. Yeah, I mean the other two never played a snap in in the pros, not even in an exhibition game, which doesn't diminish what they did at Vandy. But not clearly, he was a cut above them athletically. And he was from the New England area, wasn't he? He was from Boston. Yeah, I knew he was from up there somewhere. And, of course, the other two, a couple of, of Memphis cats. You know, and, and I promise it's not the, the, the Memphis in me that's picking Chris Marr. That's just – that was my answer. To me, that was – I don't know. The, the one with offensive line with Williams and Johnson, that's a toss-up. Hayward or Moore is a toss-up. Marvin Osimiji to me, is a toss-up. But yeah. – um, glad, glad I asked. That's been fun. It's been fun that for me to fun. do this. I'm, I'm now to, let's see, as a, as of us speaking, I'm through 16. I just put Earl Bennett at 16 on the Vandy Sports 100. So I got 15 more to go from the point of our listeners hearing this. Let's see. Where will Kevin Brofen end up? Kevin Brofen was not in our coverage time and unfortunately did not make the list for oh, that that's reason. Right. That that's right. Remember him, the animal. Oh yes. Kevin Brofen, the animal. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, I keep I forgot the parameters were in the time that you covered it. That's right. All right. You said you had a mailbag. Yes, and our mailbag is sponsored by our good buddy Josh Minton an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood. Give Josh a call for your insurance needs. He'll be happy to help you out. Let's see. This one goes to the first one, VandyFan96. Seabass, which players do you hope take huge leaps in development and performance for this football season? Hmm. How many do they want? Uh, he says, which players? To me, that leaves okay. about 85 you can answer. Calm down. Just calm down. Uh, okay, we'll name, you know, maybe three or four. Uh, I'll tell you one, that because I, I think we really need some uh, some help from this position, and, and hopefully he can become a big factor. Uh, now, now, see, Dr. Sheldon Cooper wants to weigh in on this. Calm down, Sheldon. Hey, boy, I'm doing a podcast. All right, so... Uh, our first one's going to be Ben Bresnahan from from the tight end. You know, I think that they would really go a long way in helping this offense out if they can really get something established there. I mean, it didn't happen last year, and we need to that the, the tight end position, whatever we do offensively, it needs to be a big part of us. We can recruit the tight end position, and we have uh, fairly fairly well. And I'd like to see him step up. He would be one. Uh, I'm looking for one of these, maybe these red shirt freshmen wide receivers to step up. I mean, I, we know the ones we like, the Abdul Rahmans and the Cam Johnsons of the world. Um, and we're hopeful that's another true freshman. But, you know, 
I'd like to see a Devin body step up, you know, and, and be one of those slot guys that, that, that uh, could come in and have a big effect. Uh, maybe Tyler Steen take his game to the next level. I mean, he's, he's been okay. He's been, you know, all right, but we, we need, we need to understand, uh, anchor one of these, those positions, uh, other side of the football, you know, I mean, there was a lot of chatter about, uh, about Rutger, uh, and some of the work that he was doing, you know, I, I think that if he could step up, that would be great. I really like our defensive line talent. Uh, but I, I'd, I'd really like to see, uh, some of the fruits, uh, of Rutger. Cause again, I hear he's, he's really gotten better. So I'd like to see him, uh, do something. Uh, may, and, and a guy who popped a little bit, maybe, uh, last year, uh, Deshaun Jerkins in the secondary at, at safety is another guy who I'd like to see step up and, and, and have a big year. What do you think about what you heard? Well, you did not even mention my number one guess. I'm going to see if you can get it. You get one try. Um, do I get any type of clues? No, because I'm afraid if I give a clue, you'll guess it, and I don't want to make it that easy. Okay, I I, I can get this. Well, I'll give you one clue. This guy did start. I don't want your clue. I don't want your clue. I want your. I don't want your clue. When I get it wrong, you can t- then you can give me one. All right. I know how important this position is, and there's nobody really. Uh, at the forefront, and the dude literally only had one carry last year. I'm going to go with Jamari Wakefield. No. Do you want me to tell you or give you one more guess? Uh, well, I earned my guess. Now, give me a guess. This guy started a good bit of last year. He started a good bit of last year. I want one more clue. What side of the football? Offense. Well, I know how much you like Rockman, so I'm gonna probably say him. No, Rockman didn't play last year, so you completely wasted your clue. And with this point, I'm just gonna. I'm sorry, you're a fat cow. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put our clues to rest so we can move on. But it's Grant Miller. You know. Yeah, they, I mean, they need interior offensive line. And by the way, just so you know, uh, Fat Boy, I'm quite aware that that that, that Rockman didn't play last year. I have no idea why I said that. Um, we got to have. I mean, I mean, clearly, quarterback's the most important position, but we gotta have. I mean, we just got to have uh, some interior offensive line help. And and you know, Grant's got a lot of experience, and 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 we we, we need to make something happen, man. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I, I like Grant. I get that, but he's got to make a massive improvement, Chris. Well, and that's the reason I picked him. I thought they swung and missed it both guards and center last year. And I think with Clemens playing guard, man, I want to say he was on the right side. I think that's at least some hope that they can be okay there. But, like, I'm here's what I'm thinking, okay? You can't be bad at all three of those positions, and especially the one in the middle where you got snap counts and, and all the stuff that goes with being center. And Grant's a kid that's I think has got some potential. They've liked him. 
you know, his dad played in the league forever. So I think that's one where you can see a plausible scenario why it might work. And it's also the place where it just has to work because they just were so bad between the tackles a year ago. And they were especially bad at that spot. And you just can't, I, I don't think you can, I, I don't th- have much hope that their offense is going to be very good anyway. But that's got to be a prerequisite if they are better than we think, because I think they've got to hit at that spot. Yeah, they do. They have no choice. And, and hopefully they can. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got no people that quick. What do you think about my Tyler Steen call? Yeah, I mean, I like that one too. Uh, especially if he's playing on the left side, which I think is where he ended. I've got more confidence in Tyler than I probably do everybody else on that line just because he's been thrown into difficult spots, and I think he's you know, at least treaded water, if not a little better. So to me, given the circumstances he's been up against, the fact that he just hadn't been a bust – is a good sign. So he's kind of the least of my worries. I think of all the offensive linemen, he's number one on the list of guys that I feel best at going into the fall. Although that said, he's also playing the toughest position. So that could also fall apart in a hurry. Yeah, but let's also remember something about the offensive line. Remember now we've got Pete, Pete Rosamondo now. And look, just, I mean, from the some of the things you hear that maybe O-line coaching was an, uh, more of an issue than we possibly thought. I mean, the personnel needs to be bumped up. There's no doubt about that. But maybe he brings a little something else to the table that uh, improves uh, the current players that we already have. Yeah, well, I, I don't think they can get worse. Next one from Ann Arbor. That's not much of a ringing endorsement on him, but well, no, you know. but I just don't know that they have the talent on the whole in the depth. But and, I mean, that's that's, that's, that's a whole other podcast. So I mean, that's clearly the case. Look, if your selection is is, is Tyler Steen because he's just not quite as bad as bad as the others, that doesn't make him a good line. It makes him just better than them. Um, and one thing you don't want to do is go into the offense or to the SEC season if you can't name one good offensive lineman on the team as far as proven production. That's tough to deal with. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if the coaching change at O-line coach uh, has a profound effect. I mean, look, when you have a bad position coach, trust me, it matters. But when you get a good one, one that you want to play for, one that you know is giving you the right instruction and, and you learn things and techniques that you've never learned before, it can have a profound effect on who you are as a player. Well, people may think I'm exaggerating here. I said that they can't get worse. Literally, I think that's the case. Pro Football Focus rated them on the offensive line 128 out of the 130 teams last year. And the guy that was indisputably their best player and also their left tackle is now at Georgia Tech, so right. It's not a good starting point, but no, I mean you know it's not, and that sucks. But you know it is what it is. And Arbordor says, "What are both your thoughts on the last two football commits? Those would be Alan Taco Wright and Ezra McAllister." You know the thing with Taco Wright, uh, it's, it's like I, I, I saw one of the analysis. Uh, of the guys, it, it, it was that you're not going to be overwhelmed by the athleticism. He's fast enough. He's not a blazer. 
but that he is max effort and always around the ball, just a good football player. And I think that's what you're getting here. I love, I love Woodward Academy players. Um, and he's just solid. I mean, he's not flashy. He's not a star star guy. They'd like, Holy cow. How'd you get this type of guy? Uh, but you know, I don't hate it. I'll tell you that much. I, I, I was glad to get it. I was glad to see they secured it. And he can t- and look and and whether it's true or not, whether that you know, his brother uh, signing there truly had nothing to do with it whatsoever. Um, the fact of the matter is, is Derek Mason has had a lot of success getting the younger siblings. Hasn't always panned out, but he's gotten them. He's gotten them. And I think that speaks to something uh, about how players feel about him and that program. And if you go and you listen uh, and you read some of the things that Taco Wright said, he was like, look, I talked to all kinds of people, not just my brother. I talked to all kinds of people, current players, former players, all this stuff. And they feel good about the situation, about, you know, being Vanderbilt football players, being part of that program. We've had our downs, downtimes lately. There's no doubt about that. But I got news for you, Chris, and I know you know this. If a situation is truly dire in that, in that case, those kids are going to tell each other. You know, they may not do it for sure, but, they'll, they, you know, behind the scenes, well, look, man, this dude, this dude don't know what he's doing or this dude is this, or this dude's that, and they'll tell each other. You know, they will. And the dude couldn't find anybody. Now, I mean, it sounds strange that he couldn't find anybody with a bad thing to say, you know, from the player standpoint, because he wasn't talking to fans. He was talking about these kids who are in this program and have been. Uh, and they feel good about it. I like that. I like that that is the message that's being portrayed uh, from, from the players that, that play for this man. And in, in, in this in this program, so I like that. And yeah, you know, Taco's a late bloomer, and he's coming along. He's a he seems like a good, solid football player. He's a, a superstar. Let me tell you something. Uh, I I, uh, I had a couple of my friends take a look at Ezra's film. You know, that had never heard of him. Clearly, I mean, I mean, how many times have you been to Marshall, Michigan, Chris? Um, and look, all all the MAC, most of the Ivy Leagues, basically no other Power Fives. That dude loves to play football. That dude's dedicated to playing football and making himself better. He's an explosive, aggressive athlete. I don't know what the competition level is like in Marshall, Michigan. I can't speak to it. I don't know anything about that. But that dude's a football player. And in today's game, and especially if we're going to spread things out, there's a place for the, that player in this, in, the, in this game today. And let's put it this way. I, I, and, man, you call it whatever you want, but you, know, but you remember with the McLean Mannix deal, who this kid reminds you of. I mean, he's fast, strong, he's a little bit diminutive plays well, catches the football, every, 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 there's everything to like about the film, you know? And if I had told you, if I, if I hadn't shown you, if I had just told you uh, that he had an offer list and, and I showed you some teams uh, that actually haven't offered him, you'd look and say, oh, I could see that. Look at the heart he plays with, how aggressive he is and how smart he is and what good routes he runs. You'd have believed it. 
You know, so if you only get stuck on the offer list here, you might seem a little bummed or a five, four rating, but I'm telling you right now, that dude is a football player and there is a place for him on this roster. And frankly, yet we don't have, he doesn't remind me of anybody on this team. At I, all. I agree with you on right. I don't think I can add much to that. McAllister, I just don't. Maybe I didn't watch enough of it, but I did not see quick, twitchy, get separation like you did. I, I don't see McLean Mannix. I think McLean was much more impressive to me on film in high school. I saw a I guy that, okay, maybe I need to watch more. I saw a guy that, to me, looked like he is a play in the slot and if all works out he's a catch everything guy but a run away from nobody guy or he's a safety that's what i saw maybe i need to watch a little more why do i need all of my receivers to run away from everybody i can make a living in the slot with cats catching the ball i mean let me ask you a question does julian edelman run away from everybody that he catches the ball on oh julian edelman's a whole lot more athletic than he is I, I didn't say that. I didn't ask you that. I said, does he run away from everybody when he catches the football? No, but I just don't know that there's a basic level of athleticism that's going to let him play receiver in the SEC. Now, maybe I needed to watch more of the film than I did. I, I did not see the whole thing. I saw about the first half of it, and I kind of made up my mind. But it, that that was, I guess we're just going to disagree. I just saw a different guy than you did. I mean, he's got a start-stop that is absolutely impressive. He can stop on a dime, re-accelerate, cut. I mean, no, he's not a 4-3 guy, uh, but he's not a 4-7 guy either. Um, he is plenty fast enough to play in the slot, and I, I, I love the way he, he, he can change his acceleration and deceleration. I mean, I, I like the kid. I do. I, I, I'm really excited to see just exactly how he fits. This is not – what was that kid, the Pruitt kid from Georgia several years ago? That's not who this is. I think he's much more in, uh, along the lines of, of McLean Mannix. I remember McLean Mannix. McLean Mannix was definitely faster. There's no question about that. And I am not putting, I'm not comparing their speeds. McLean, McLean Mannix was definitely faster. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, uh, some of the explosive plays that I saw him on on that film, and again, I don't know the level of competition, uh, but he did some pretty nasty things with the football in his hand. How about we do something of a speed round? Because I know you've got to get out of here. Yeah, that's, we got to wrap it up real quick. Okay, maybe I can answer this one for you. Uh, VU and GA says, what's the biggest recruiting need on both sides of the ball? My answer would be yes. Calm down. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true, but... Uh, so the biggest recruiting need for this class on both sides of the ball, um, well, for I mean, for this class, we need offensive linemen, Chris. We just do. You know, I don't. I, we we can't sign enough until we feel proven. So at least for the immediate, the answer is going to be offensive line for me. And I think we need to do something uh, w w in the running back uh, position. Now, you know, I thought we were sitting good with Deshaun Morrell. Now it's, that's looking toward, he's looking more like it's UCLA there. I don't know where that came from. Uh, I thought they were in a good position there, um, but they, they need to maybe land a Logan Diggs or the young man out of, uh, out of the, uh, out of Hoover 
or something, but I, I think they need to get one, maybe two uh, legit running backs. They lost a kid at uh, Pope John Paul II. Uh, you know, guys, they really thought they had a chance with that they've already missed on. I think they need to uh, to do something there. And then on the other side of the football, Chris, uh, look, I mean, well, defensive line and, and, and the ability to put pressure will always be important. Uh, but, man, we got to replenish this linebacking core, Chris. You know. Well, we, we just do. I, I would almost never normally say linebacker, uh, but we need, we, we, but we, that's something that we need. I, I think we really need to score big on a couple of linebackers. So I'm going to go linebacker and offensive line and running back. Five star door says, what does the defense. Wait, 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 wait. before you what? tell me what five star door said, what do you say? I mean, I was being funny with my answer, but that's really close to it. I mean, I would say that maybe they don't need quarterbacks as much after what they just went through. Uh, they obviously need offensive linemen. I don't uh, – they really need a, another impact running back, I think, unless the Griffin kid is really good. I just think they've got just dudes at running back that are fourth-teamers everywhere else in the league, other than Marlowe, if he gets a chance. I think he's the – the chance to be a difference maker, whether he plays or not, I don't know. So you love it now. No, look, I mean, we you just kind of glaze, glaze over Keon Brooks as if he's just nothing. I don't. I think Brooks is just a guy. I don't think he's. I, I don't he think he's special in this. Year, yeah, but he was a true freshman usually you behind, see it. Keyshawn Vaughn. Well, yeah, but I mean, think about it. For a he's a true freshman, and by the way, he flashed on a couple of breakaways. He's Certainly got speed. Uh, first of all, he had no line in front of him last year. And he, he's he's running second team to Keyshawn Vaughn. Who is going to look worth a damn uh, running behind five? It's Of course it was going to be a, a, a massive downgrade from Keyshawn Vaughn uh, to a true freshman. Now, I get it. I mean, I understand the guys like Raymond Perkins popped the second they got there. Jimmy Williams, I think darn near took it to the house first time he touched the ball against North Texas State. I get that. I, I, I certainly do. Uh, but, I mean, I, I man, the, the book on Keon Brooks is, is, I mean, that's not even close to being written. Well, I, I just don't know that the top-end talent is there. I mean – Defensive back, they've just got a lot of guys who are indistinguishable at linebacker. Uh, I, I like their linebackers a little bit better maybe than you do, but they're all – your point is that, you know, they're going to have to replace them. They, they, those are older guys there. So, yeah, that that's a need. Defensive line maybe is less of a need given the way they've recruited there if these guys are what people think they are, which they got that to prove. But I don't know, I just – I. I have a hard time identifying a place where they don't need help. I think the places they probably need it less, uh, given what they've recruited recently, are quarterback and defensive line. Everything else, to me, is a pretty serious need. Other than maybe tight end. Other than maybe tight end. I want to see how that pans out. And a wide receiver, I think they're 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 not terribly bad off, but we'll see. But isn't it weird, Chris? The two least concerning positions for you uh, for Vanderbilt are quarterback and defensive line. 
Well, and they haven't proven anything either, which just tells you what kind of situation it's in because it's relative. But my point being that there's been many years we couldn't find any of either one of those things. Yeah, that's true. Let's see. Five Star Tour says, what does the defense need to do to stop giving up so many rushing yards? Is it personnel, player development, strength and conditioning, or scheme? Can I pull a Chris Lee? Yeah, I think, and I think that's the right answer. What Chris Lee said, that's the right answer. Well, I did not see, well, three things I saw last year. Is is you did not see them stopping and dominating the point of attack or even being adequate there. You didn't see good first reactions on the second level to ball carriers, and you sure as heck didn't see closing speed chasing those guys down. Right. I don't know. You know, I think we both think Roof is a big upgrade, but man, oh, just when you put it that way, how much better can they get? I guess the question, the way to look at it would be how much worse could could it be? And and look uh, again, there's a lot of experience returning, and we're counting on a couple of new names as well, like the Derek Greens of the world and uh, uh, Malik and uh, Malik Langham and guys like that. But those are those are guys with a lot of potential. I mean, they you know who knows guys like that. These are guys everybody. Those guys are coming in from Florida and Oklahoma. You know, I mean, these are. There's no guarantee there, clearly, but think about that for a second. Dio's back again, and and of course Ted and and, and Birchmeyer and, and and Rutger. These are all guys with lots of experience. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I say what we want. line is one of my least concerns on this football team. I promise you. Well, let me phrase it a different way because when I think about it like this, it's. The, the path to improvement is a lot clearer. Okay, I think you and I both think if there's a place where they stand to be most improved on the team, it's at the point of attack. I think you and I both agree yep. on that. Can we move to the next one then? Sure we can. Uh, the next thing was just, you know, the linebackers and the complaints about out of position and all those things. And, of course, Tarver stuck with the same guys and didn't give guys breaks. That, to me, is an easy fix if you guys know what they're doing and you're willing to rotate some guys in. Because you know the thing that I said over and over the last couple of camps is I thought they had some guys at linebacker who could play a little bit. That never bore out at all. I was surprised. I mean, In fact, I remember arguing with you or somebody last year and just saying, I don't think they're going to be as bad at linebacker just because I think they've got enough guys who could, who could pan out. Now, I did a total face plan on that one that's not how it panned out at all but let's say I'm right it was coaching then then maybe you have some hope there now the open field stuff I just don't know if they're fast enough at defensive back because uh, that you know when they got in foot races and I'm thinking a lot of the old Miss game they just didn't win a lot of those I don't know how you fix that I mean I don't know the guys get markedly faster as they get in college so that's a concern, but I do think maybe two of the three are more fixable than than maybe meets the eye. 
You know, and the thing about it is, is it, it, this is what's a little weird for me. Now, again, of course, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a fan of, of Mahoney. I like Jalen Mahoney a lot. Um, but the thing about it is, from a recruiting standpoint, at least on paper, one of the best positions that they have recruited is the secondary. Hasn't really panned out that way, but, you know, from a bringing people in a prospect type of thing, uh, secondary-wise, I mean, some of the better players in the last few classes have been in the secondary. It's just time for these dudes to step up. And if I remember correctly, Mahoney wasn't even one of the higher-recruited players in our secondary. Yeah, and let's let's dig in on secondary a minute, because I'm with you. I like Mahoney. Mahoney had a really nice year for them as a true freshman. So I've got some hope there. I think he's a could be a really good nickel in this league, if not a corner. They were banged up last year in the secondary, too, because Coppett, his season never got off the ground. He he starts. Uh, I think Jerkins got hurt, didn't he? Yeah, but he flashed a little bit. Well, and that's that's my point. Players? And if, if the thing was, if let's say that he flashed and then he wasn't as good because he was hurt, then there's some hope for them at that spot. I don't know, maybe that one is one that as you dig in a little bit, and I don't think they're super talented there, but they might have enough guys if the other stuff works out um, that, that it gets a little better just because they maybe they've got a pass rush, they don't have to cover as long, and maybe they're not have to chase, having to chase as many guys down that just get through the first two levels of the defense like it's not there. Right, yeah, that's right. Okay, Christopher, it's four fifteen. Any more? Uh, two, two more. Let's make this quickly, and I'm gonna give some quick commentary on this question before I let you answer. VA seventy two says reportedly Tarver was a critic of the strength program. I know from a good source that Mason is high on Dobson. We saw who left. I wonder what Wolf is thinking. I think the premise to the question is dead on. I, I heard that there was kind of a battle, and that Dobson was going to be the guy that was going to get let go. And then I don't know if it was an argument or appeal or what happened, but Tarver wound up being the guy leaving town. Uh, so I, I think that the question is is dead on. So if you haven't lost track of what I asked you, uh, have a go with this one. Well, you know, look, here, here's, here's what I would say. Uh, if Dobson is the problem, then we got big problems. Um, but I'll take my chances there because I am pretty positive. Yeah, I don't know if, if much as he was a problem, but I know sure as shooting Charver wasn't the answer. I know that for sure. Uh, so I'll take my chance there. But, I mean, the truth is, I mean, that's right. We do got to get a lot stronger. There are areas, you know, along that line, especially along that line, where I, I feel like we were pretty weak, you know, and that could – that that could be a strength and conditioning thing because look, when you've got a great one in place, buddy, you know it. And that doesn't always transition into or translate into guaranteed wins. But I want to be one of those teams. You know, Chris, there was there was a team that we played when I was in high school. Now they weren't very good. You know, you were generally going to beat them, but you were going to beat them like you know twenty to six or something like that. But the next day. I mean, you hated playing them because the next day sucked, man. It was going to hurt, and you knew it. They weren't all that talented, but they were physical, and they would knock your head off, and there was nothing fun about playing them all the time. 
I want to be that type of team. The type of team that says, like, crap, we got to play these dudes, man. All right, I'm going to black and blue the next day. We're probably going to win the game, but we'll have to, we'll have to put in overtime work because they're going, to, they're going to be there swinging all 12 rounds. That's the type of team I want to be. We're not that type of team right now. But, you know, that's the thing with a – you run into somebody that's got that type of program, strength conditioning program, and coach like that, they suck playing. I hate playing teams like that. And do we have that guy? I don't think so, but I'm not 100% sure about that. The only thing I'm sure of is Tarver was not the answer. Last one from SR Kane. This shouldn't be too hard. Which team will finish higher in the SEC final standings next season, men's basketball or football? <laughs> it shouldn't be that hard. I'm going to go with, with basketball. Yeah, I, I would as well. I mean, I don't know how I could. I don't, I mean, I, I've seen the question posed on the board, you know, will we win a single conference game? I mean, it's hard to answer that because, great. You know, who's our quarterback, Chris? You know, you don't even know. There's a lot of question marks out there. Uh, will we win an SEC? I, I got to think we will. I mean, we don't generally get shut out in the SEC these days. Has has has? I, I don't remember. You'll have to remind me. Has Mason been shut out in an SEC season? Yeah, Texas A&M, off the top of my head, beat them at the end of fifteen. Oh, you're talking about for the for the win column? Yeah, talking for the about, win column. And, and uh, yeah, I think twice. Um, let's see. Twice. The first year, I would imagine, but other than that, has he? Because he went four and eight, uh, two six-win seasons. Uh, he won one last year and a five-win season. I think if he did, it would only been that first year. No, you're right. He's gone zero, two, three, one, three, one. Okay, yeah. So the first one, you know, was what it was. That was a cluster. We all know it. Uh, I'll let that one ride. But, yeah, other than that, he hasn't been shut out. My friend, I know you need to go, so I want to give you the floor to promote your Twitter handle, your work, anything else like that. Yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter at, at CheapSeatsBass, and you can find me on the air 6 to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday on 1.5. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome, Chris. He is Seabass. I'm Chris Lee, host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening, and we'll be back with more episodes next week.